Um, maybe that's a little bit what I try and bring to the table. Um, I will speak with confidence, but I also listen really hard. And I think that's one of the most important skills. Welcome to the Inspire Podcast, where we examine what it takes to intentionally inspire. I'm your host, Bart Egnall, President and CEO of The Humphrey Group. And if you've ever asked yourself, how can you develop an authentic leadership presence? Or how can you tell stories that have people hanging off every word? Well, then this podcast is for you. And it's not just for executives. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to influence and inspire others in their work, but also in their life. So my guest on the Inspire podcast today is Sarah Beach. And Sarah, it's great to be here live in person doing the Inspire podcast. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Bart. It's so great to have you in our office and be here in person on a Monday morning. Yeah, I can't tell you how cool it is actually be doing this in person after like almost two years of Zoom. You were the first in-person podcast I've done. I feel very special and honored. Well, the, the honor is mine. The honor is mine. Uh, and Sarah, you're you're joining us. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, you work for Arthur Gallagher, which is a global Fortune 500 pension and benefits company. And you are the Air Executive President for Central in Canada. Did I get that right? I think that's a lot of words <laughs> and a big handle, but yeah. Big job, big title. Nah, I'm just regular old me. <laughs> yeah, well, th- thanks for joining today. And I know you've had, um, you're in a significant leadership role. Maybe just for those who don't know about Gallagher here in Canada, tell us what you do. So Gallagher, as you said, Bart, is a global firm. Um, the Canadian organization has developed over many years through acquisition. So we are an organization that's growing through acquisition. Uh, We are a full service consulting firm. So not just benefits and pension, but everything to do with total rewards and the employee experience. Including uh, someone who was on this podcast earlier, Trina Boivin, who is a, the former Optimum Talent, Absolutely. who's now, you pulled, you obviously you heard her podcast and decided you had to acquire that Optimum. It. That was it, <laughs> that was it. I'll, I'll watch for the finder's fee from that. <laughs> no. But so yeah, Optimum, and you're now in the leadership development business as well. Absolutely, so really that full perspective and spectrum of employers looking after their employees from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And I know with where we are in COVID, uh, huge changes in how employers are treating their workforces. I'm sure you're kind of at the forefront of seeing uh, how companies are having to rethink what it takes to engage and care for their workforces. Well, it does. It's interesting. We're just reviewing our annual trend survey and that the top concerns for our employers are engaging their employees keeping and retaining and attracting talent huge. Um, And also that whole perspective of the cost of looking after employees Mm -hmm. and and they're probably going to have to change the traditional areas of focus as they look to, you know, adapt to a hybrid Mm -hmm. working arrangement. Um, What does that entail? How do you keep connected and keep people happy and stay with you? Because we keep reading about this huge exodus. The great resignation. Yeah. <laughs> Though it doesn't seem like people are actually resigning. It just seems like they're going somewhere else. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think making different choices after this 
well, two then, years shut down. Tell us, where does your story begin? I know you spent 21 years at Hewitt. So maybe talk to me about how you got into the business and what led you to choose a career in, in this field. It's interesting. I don't know that anyone that I know of my generation, my friends actually chose to end up in, in consulting. Um, I started at a university uh, and I started at actually at Canada Life at an insurance company and I learned about benefits and then uh, made a decision to go into consulting. And so my original area of expertise is really in, in the benefit side. And so when you say consulting, were you, would companies hire you to consult on what benefits should we bring to our employees? Yeah, so really working with corporations um, of all sizes, majority that I've spent lots of time with are Canadian mid to large organizations that become global uh, and helping them figure out design and finance and communicate uh, the employee benefit programs. So people listening who were maybe complaining about their benefits, then that would trigger them to hire you and figure out like how do we respond to that? That was really a big part of my career. It's a big part of what Gallagher does today, but then it became so much more. So it's really that full perspective of working with clients around um, everything from benefits to retirement plans, to communication, compensation, um, and now really the full spectrum of the employee experience. And so when you're when you started off as an individual contributor, did you always know that you want to move into a leadership role? So no, and you and I had a bit of a discussion earlier. It's one of those things that um, I think kind of just evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, I went to an all girls school. I was encouraged to um, lead and be independent. I spent 12 years at summer camp, which for those of you out there who went to camp, you know, it's this great learning experience. Mm-hmm. You leave home for three weeks to two months in the summer and, and create great independence and, and learn from there. Um, I enjoyed, you know, I, I guess the first leadership when you're consulting is you're helping clients understand what's going on. So it, effectively you're leading your clients. Right. Hmm. Yeah. So, and I think that fits with what you were saying earlier, which is that you don't see leadership as tied to your title, tied to how many people you manage, but really more, it's more like a mindset. I think anyone can lead. Hmm. I, I think everyone has the capability of leading and inspiring people regardless of what your role is mm-hmm. and did you read that in the humphrey group <laughs> no, literature <laughs> no that's seriously that's really you know what we believe that and what i believe that like leadership is has nothing to do with your title or the role that you said it's it's really your intention around do you want do you have ideas that you have strong conviction in and do you want to move people to act through how you interact with them and it's what it's what creates creates great culture within organizations where everyone does feel inspired that they can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I always wanted to matter. I wanted it to matter that I showed up mm-hmm. um, and that other people noticed whether I was around or not. <laughs> oh, she's missing. Well, yes. just, it just doesn't matter. <laughs> was, there, was there someone early on in your career who was in the leadership role, either like an actual managerial role or otherwise, who really inspired you? Um, I think there was a group of people. So um, my experience earlier on at, at Hewitt Associates was very much 
we were a team. So it wasn't a group of individuals. It was a real team. And the leaders at that time were very, um, all in, very much all in. So very passionate about people and clients and doing cool work and, if we didn't know how to do something, then we were all going right. to sit together, put our heads together and figure out how to do it. It's and very egalitarian in that sense. In some ways, but it was also, you know, I was a few years in and I was asked to be involved in speaking sessions. Mm. I was terrified mm. um, and they coached me and helped me and, you know, put you in places where it was a little bit scary. Right. And I think that's part of growing is right. when... You feel a little bit scared, um, but then you overcome it and you look back and you go, that was kind of cool. So I've always wanted to do the same for others. Hmm. And was there a moment then at Hewitt where they said, all right, you know, you've been doing great work with our clients. You're really demonstrating leadership. Now we'd like you to actually manage people. There was. My my first management was managing the benefits practice. Um, And then I had the great fortune as kind of things evolved in the company and things changed. And the leader that had been running Canada made a career decision and left. And he was one of those. There were a few people who kind of made a difference about how I looked at what leadership looked like. And um, I got to become the leader for Hewitt with my best friends that I That's great. consulted and worked with. And so um, really a huge challenge mm-hmm. um, across all our practices and across the whole country. So I traveled more. I understood the nuances that, yes, we are one amazing country. Mm-hmm. But Bart, like you have an office in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Managing people in Vancouver is different it's than different managing world. people in It's Toronto. a different world. Yes. In Lotus Land. <laughs> Just like, you know, now I have a team of people in London, Ottawa, Mm -hmm. Sudbury, Toronto, and Halifax. And understanding the nuances Mm -hmm. of each office and each city is really important when Mm -hmm. you're looking at a team and and embracing those nuances and differences, but also creating common ground. And so I wonder, like, I think back to when I started managing people going into it, you know, I was... I had been an individual control a while, and I, like you, I, I had this passion for leading clients, and I also really had a drive and passion to grow a business and a team. But I would also say that I had, I had both a strong set of views around what effective leadership was and great naivety about the reality of it. And you know, when, the, when I actually started growing the business, you know, there's no teacher like reality. So how I'd love your thoughts. Like, ha- What happened when you went from, when you started running Canada with your colleagues who you were close to what was confirmed for you that you had thought and what changed as reality hit if i spoke or if i wrote something how people read every single Mm. word and a nuance that was completely unintended could impact negatively a group of people Mm. Um, and so forever now, and I still do a lot of communication and write, I always get it reviewed. I look at it mm-hmm. from multiple people's mm-hmm. perspective, age, stage, mm-hmm. what office they're in, what practice they're in. Um, because I think 
I was naive to unintended consequences. Was there a moment or a story that you can think back of where you sent an email or said something that that impacted people in ways you hadn't anticipated? No, you know what? I wish I could. I'm like at my advanced age and forget. <laughs> There's too many things stuck in my head. Um, but I just know it was like really real for me. And now um, a team member here in Toronto who did, he was our marketing and communication before we joined Gallagher. And now he, he runs the communication practice for Canada, but he and I would debate a lot and we'd talk about, and I'd say, no, if you leave it this way, Hmm. this is what someone is going to think about that. And, um, I learned probably the hard way, Mm -hmm. um, in not really thinking through enough about how words really matter. Well, especially when you spent your time building trust and credibility as a peer, and then you you take on a new role. And that's one thing I often find that um, with our executive clients when they're promoted and they, we start coaching them is you just, you have to understand that you're not in the same chair anymore. And therefore your message is not just your own personal message. It's being delivered on behalf of the organization. And that's actually very hard for people to, like it's intellectually, you can understand it, but in some ways it's sad for people when they realize you have to inhabit the role authentically, but it is the role. <laughs> well, and, and people can ask you lots of things and I, I'm very transparent. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of the things I I want people to know, but I'm also, there's something I can't talk to you about. I'm mm-hmm. not going to talk to you about it. There's right. just, and, and I think there are still people who, to this day would think, well, I should know everything that she knows. And that's just not part of the deal. And probably not fair for them either to yeah. know it. You wouldn't want to. No. So I know you had a great run at Hewitt and then it was sold. And this, you joined a new organization. Talk to me about that experience and what happened there from a leadership standpoint. So I think it was an interesting time and a tipping point, mm-hmm. you know, for anyone out there who's gone through a merger or an acquisition, it's always a tipping point in time has changed. Do you stay or do you go? Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I stayed for a period of time, um, went into a different kind of role, and then had an opportunity to meet someone who had owned their own business for 16 mm-hmm. years at the time. Very successful business. I didn't know that much about it, and I learned. Um, he and I spent a year talking, getting to know each other, figuring out what our philosophy was. And I think at the core of it, from a leadership perspective and people perspective, um, clients came first and the people on the team who looked after clients needed to be well looked mm-hmm. after. We didn't sell pens and pencils. Mm-hmm. We were selling knowledge and insight. Mm-hmm. And so... You got to look after your people. They're really important. And at the core of it, we both have families and our families came first. I think it's interesting that, and maybe we'll get, we'll get to this decision you made to join this business. But I think it's interesting that you had been in one business for 20 years and then something changed for you from a leadership standpoint where you now found yourself attracted to a different kind of business. Um, And I think it cuts to what you're saying about your own leadership style. So maybe just talk to me if you're open to it about the kind of um, transition of leadership cultures and why it didn't work for you, because I think there's an important lesson in there. 
Um, I think the reason I chose to leave was um, being able to be part of an organization where everyone's voice mattered, mm. where um, I valued anyone's opinion to a more command and control. If something was decided at a specific title level, then right. you were supposed to follow, right. which I do respect leadership, but I also respect the ability to question and mm -hmm. ask why. And if there's a better way of implementing something, once you understand the why, then I think organizations to, should listen to mm -hmm. that um, and be able. If the explanation is we have to do this as an organization, we have to implement things this way, it's going to be for the better in the future, then still the ability to have a conversation around it and to have critical thinking, mm -hmm. um, that's how you get teams to follow. That's mm. how. And so and that's how you had success for so many I years. I didn't feel like I was in that environment. Mm -hmm. And so leaving and coming here, a different kind of style, mm -hmm. someone who runs their own business and then brings in a leader mm -hmm. um, to be a partner with and take over the management of the firm. That's why we spend so much time together. Yes. So as an, as an entrepreneur who has delegated ownership or uh, in control to a lot of people, give me the straight goods. What's it like going, what's it like working for, a, for an entrepreneur? <laughs> um, just like with anything, you have to build trust, yeah. right? You have to, and we built trust before I joined. And then um, I had to get to know the team, mm. you know? There were sacred relationships and long-standing loyalty and had to build the trust that um, I remember one of the team members and she's still here and she's amazing. And she, she said, you know, you walked in and I thought you were going to be this big corporate <laughs> person right. and going to put in all these rules and going to change us. And now we're like super close and you know, my career's evolved and, right. you know, you look back on it. And so it really was building trust and getting mm -hmm. to know people and leading by example, which I know mm -hmm. is a long standing, but I got involved. Mm -hmm. I got involved in every client. I met them. I got involved mm -hmm. with every team. Roll up your sleeves and really I went to work. I rolled up my sleeves and kind of practiced everything I just right. said that Which I was about. And, and I imagine, and I know yeah. if we fast forward, you then sold that business to Gallagher, which is how you ended up here, right? And yeah, you're, exactly. And you're still going. It's still going strong, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think, um, you know, the decision to be part of a global firm was the right decision at the time. Mm -hmm. um, I think the world is a, is, is global. Mm -hmm. Our clients were becoming very global. Um, being able to have expanded resources and, and that perspective of a larger organization was the right thing for our clients and our people right. and giving them opportunities. So that's exciting mm -hmm. um, to be part of an organization. And also in Canada, that is really becoming one Gallagher, mm. where the breadth and depth of what we offer is 
paramount mm-hmm. and full all encompassing and full circle for poten- our existing clients and mm-hmm. our potential clients and that we can share resources mm-hmm. across the country across offices and learning and material and, and bring, bring the whole best of what we have right and i'm guessing your leadership style plays very well to that bringing people together and connecting them I'm trying. Yeah. I'm not perfect. Even, even okay. <laughs> I'm not perfect by any stretch You're of the right. imagination. And I think um, maybe that's a little bit what I try and bring to the table. Um, I will speak with confidence, but I also listen really hard. And I think that's one of the most important skills. Mm-hmm. And I haven't read your book yet, Bart, but you and I have spent some time yeah, together. Gave, I just gave it to you. Uh, I think your philosophy around that listening as you talk and coach to leaders Mm -hmm. is fundamentally one of the greatest skills. Well, I think that ability to really inspire stems from first understanding how your audiences think and what they believe. You know, if you're going to move people to act, you know, I often say to my clients, like, how can you ask someone to adopt new thinking if you don't know what they think or believe already? Uh, you're just shoot, you know shooting blind. So I think it starts with listening for sure. And in our organization, there you know we weren't the only acquisition. So there's lots of mm-hmm. history. Um, and so to listen and meet people where they're at, and then I think a big piece of it now is also helping paint the picture of the future. So what mm-hmm. does that mean? for you as an individual, what, and then prove it. So implementation is a really big demonstrate. It's worth, yeah. yeah, it's believable. Yeah. So you've talked about some of the philosophy that you have, you know, leading by example, really kind of your commitment to communication, connecting people uh, that you, that you developed and brought to, you know, your roles. What has changed for you? How have you been changed as a leader? like in the last five years, I mean, we've just been, or even in the last two, we've been through this pandemic or we're still going through the pandemic. Have you, has it caused you to rethink or adjust any of your beliefs about leadership? I don't know that my inherent beliefs have changed. I think mm-hmm. it pretty much stayed true to that. For me, I get my energy from actually seeing people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, getting up this morning, knowing that I was going to see you, I'm actually meeting one of our clients that I've only met virtually (laughs) through all of COVID later this afternoon. So I get my energy from people. Mm -hmm. And so for me to be at home Mm -hmm. over Zoom and email is hard, was hard, absolutely hard. And, you know, my great joy on a Monday morning was to come in and the office is a buzz and you say hi to everyone. You ask them about their weekend and what they're working on this week and um, to have to schedule those kind of calls. Like we missed it so much that at one point we tried to do this, you know, almost speed dating where everyone who wanted to signed up and you booked a half an hour call with who you were paired up with just to catch up with people. So for the first 10 weeks of the pandemic, every Friday I wrote an email Mm -hmm. that included, you know, shared wins, shared cool things that people were doing, Mm -hmm. shared personal stuff, Mm -hmm. you know. Just to keep people connected. There were pictures of me with my 73-pound Portuguese water dog standing up at the table beside me and 
just to connect. But 10, after 10 weeks, I I couldn't keep doing it. A, it was becoming redundant, but. You weren't getting the same thing back from it. It wasn't the same impact. So I think the one thing I've learned, um, especially in this new world, you can do something for a period of time, but then you have to think of new way, new mm-hmm. ideas. You have to be more creative. You mm-hmm. have to be more flexible mm-hmm. and you have to be willing to change just because it was a good idea at the beginning to meet every week or have, meet every have drinks day. drinks on Zoom. <laughs> right. That it, you have to rethink and you have to go and ask your people, mm. is this working? Is it not working? What do you need? What are you missing? Right. Um, more than ever before. Mm. I think it's it. that check in and ask. Mm. You know, I've had calls with clients over the last couple weeks who say engagement's a real challenge. And also uh, at the same time, people are getting poached all the time or just leaving. So what advice would you and what advice are, is Gallagher giving to leaders right now on these two topics? If only there was a silver bullet. I think you can't underestimate um, the importance of how people feel. So it's one thing that people do good work. You get your work done, but are they islands unto themselves? Because if they're islands unto themselves and they don't feel a sense of responsibility or connection to a group of people, then of course they can leave. Hmm. Someone calls them up with a few more dollars. Why wouldn't they leave? But it's harder to leave your team, your friends, your situation if you've been given more responsibility if that's what you're looking for and that's the other piece not everyone wants more responsibility so those conversations about what someone's aspirations are what career no matter what age and stage they're at are really important conversations because it tells them that they matter and i think people need to feel like they matter in an organization and it sounds like Back to your point around listening and, and saying, you know, is this working now more than ever? Your advice to leaders is you can't just assume that a certain path, promotion, reward works, that you have to do more work to really ongoing uh, and, understand. And, and more often. So how often would you advise leaders to be having this conversation? So I, I think it at least every couple of months, I think if you look at tools like engagement surveys, mm-hmm. The historical lens on that was you did an annual mm-hmm. annual engagement survey. You, it was the benchmark mm-hmm. year over year. I think now you look at it and instead of that longer survey one year later, things are changing so fast. So in my example where you did one thing for 10 weeks, you had to change because right. it got boring or uninterested or lost that doing a shorter pulse survey almost every couple of months is becoming the it thing that's really going to give you a closer pulse on what's going on in your organization. Because the world changes so fast now and your people are, as you said, you can just lose engagement. And it needs to be more bite-sized. Bite-sized communication. Shorter, more poignant, more direct. Mm -hmm. and then give them the feedback really fast. Mm. 
turn it around so they know you're listening. Like people fill out surveys and then you don't get any information for months and months. And then you expect them to do it again. Right. So keeping the dialogue open is key. I, I think keeping the doors open, we're also inundated with so much information, mm-hmm. shorter, targeted, hmm. right not now. a lot of work. Right. Like Just people feel like they have don't ask me to fill out, you know, huge performance reviews hmm. that it's going to take me my whole weekend have a conversation with me. Tell me three things you want me to talk about. I'll put a list together of three things. Hmm. Um, I think the art of communication is really important. And Mm -hmm. I know it's your business. But you have a unique lens on it, which is the organization, right? How does an organization, uh, you know, retain, communicate, engage with its workforce. So, yeah, what would be the one, like, I know you advise some of Canada's leading companies, like what piece of advice around the art of communication are you giving them right now? Um, More frequent, shorter, much more targeted. So that old phrase, keep it simple with the extra (laughs) piece on there, but keep it simple and keep it frequent and keep it interesting. Hmm. So, I think people want to hear stories. Right. So anything from explaining why you should save for retirement Mm -hmm. to here's how your benefits work. Tell the story. Tell your own personal story of, you know, I went to have a massage a week ago and it was really easy to submit my claim because I did it with my phone on this great app that we've engaged this com- this insurance company mm-hmm. on our behalf. But here are all the cool mm-hmm. things that are there and how we can use and it. And you bring yourself into it. So it can be yourself, it can be someone else, but I think reading plain text, yeah. no one's reading it. So we all go on Instagram or Twitter or any of the other places for bite-sized information. I think organizations need to use social media tools much Mm -hmm. better. Um, And I think that storytelling, Mm -hmm. making that connection. And bringing your own stories in as well. Yeah. Why? What's in it for me? Um, Here's, you don't even have to, you don't always have to say who it is. Mm -hmm. You can keep people's privacy but one of our team members mm-hmm. this was their experience right. if they're willing to share that and bring that to, and bring that to life because right. otherwise it's just like reading a textbook well i think you're right you know now especially when we don't have the human connection of in person we it is all through text through bite-sized communication and so being able to reach people in a in a personal way is really key Absolutely. And I also think describing and looking at the employee's whole experience. So it isn't just benefits or isn't my retirement plan. It's my learning and development. It's my work from home space. Mm -hmm. It's being active and healthy. So how do you wrap all of those components of an individual and look at it much more holistically? It seems to me that the demands from employees right now are higher than ever and uh, must be challenging. must be challenging for organizations. It's more than a paycheck. And if you leave it as just a paycheck, 
you're going to lose people all the time. Well, these are uh, great quick insights. I can see why people hire you, <laughs> especially now, you know, with employee engagement and retention being so key. But um, and I can see why, you know, you're in the leadership role that you're in. You know, this is something, you know, I'm what I'm taking away is you've had a philosophy that you've stuck to even when the circumstances have changed. Sometimes it's meant you've you've been at odds with the prevailing philosophy and you've left and then you've spent the time to find a place where you are aligned. And even though the world's changed, that that's carried you through uh, almost as your North Star. <laughs> it has. It's, you know, I love life. I think lots of things get thrown at you in curveball, mm-hmm. but I feel very good about who I am as a person with respect to my team, my mm-hmm. family, new people that I meet. So, Likewise. Well, you know, just being here in person with you, it's it's uplifting. So I can see what you do for the people you work with and your clients. I try. I'm not, I'm far from perfect. <laughs> but you get to laugh. <laughs> but you got to you got to be able to laugh at yourself mm-hmm. and you got to be able to admit when maybe your idea isn't the best idea. Well, and I think that's what's made you successful. So Trying. I appreciate you sharing your story with me. It's been great talking to you. Thanks so much. It was so cool to actually do an in-person pod. The uh, experience of being in the room was uh, was wonderful, and I'm sure that came through hearing the conversation we had. And uh, so valuable to get those insights from Sarah about what employees want and how leaders can reach them in this new world that we're in frequently in a way that brings strong listening skills and, and real care. So valuable stuff. Next uh, time on the podcast, I welcome Darren Tully. And Darren, we got to know Darren uh, at the Humphrey Group. He was a very senior executive at Mass Mutual in the U.S. And uh, then kind of went through a personal journey. He'll share that with you uh, and me on the pod. Had an epiphany and realized that um, everything he thought about leadership was wrong. And he had to start focusing on a more inclusive style, uh, which changed his life for the better. He's left. He started his own practice called Thrive Global, and he joins me to talk about that journey and what he helps companies do today. So look forward to having you on the Inspire podcast to hear my conversation with Darren Tully.